Welcome to episode 51 yes. of Offbeat Tracks. That means we're almost at one year. Almost. Almost. Not quite, but almost. Yeah, it's um, it's a big deal. We've been doing this a while. It is a big deal. And we're um, I'm very excited about these next two weeks of episodes we're doing because we're talking about two women that I think are kind of unsung heroes of new wave music. Boss uh, ladies. Yeah, boss ladies. Um, and we're talking about the first one of these women this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the fabulous Carla DeVito. Yep, she's fantastic. Um, Carla is just... You use the word spitfire to describe Jane yep, Weedlin. Um, I think I think it's kind of a good match for Carla as well, don't you? She's like a, a Broadway spitfire. Like, if you know a spitfire, but she's also like a thespian who was in drama club and is like out there <laughs> all the way, all the time, Carla DeVito. Yes, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Carla has never half-assed anything she's done. <laughs> Her entire career has been one whole ass. <laughs> it's one, it one whole ass of a career. That's right. Uh, Carla's from Illinois. Um, she was born in 1953 in, in Mokina, Illinois. But oddly enough, in a couple of the live videos that you can find of her online, um, she's always introduced as being from New York. So I'm not really sure what that's about, if she moved there at a young age or what's going on. I think like it was the cool thing to grow up and move to New York and say you're from New York. Do you remember that in like the late 70s and No, 80s? because I wasn't alive. No, but like everyone would do that. We had to move to New York. No one moved to LA for rock and roll. You moved to New York. Well, that's true. My so mom moved to New York like, in like 71, see? which probably was probably around the same time Carla did. <laughs> yeah, and she probably told people she was from New York. Um, she mentions, um, by the way, I'm, I'm going to get this out now before I forget. Her first album was released on CD in 1996, uh, 15 years after it came out. And there's a bonus track on it that's just an interview conducted by Carla's husband. And he just interviews her for like half an hour. And um, I learned a lot about her from listening to this. So I definitely recommend that if you like her. That's check it out. Cool. And I, I'm pretty sure it's on the Spotify version of the album. You can listen to this interview. Um, but yeah, very cool. Um, she mentions that she like sang at a very young age. Like was, It became very yeah. evident that she was very good at singing at a young age. And of course, she started musical theater, which I think is very evident from her oh, music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, of course, I think probably how you knew her, uh, somehow she got with Meatloaf and toured with him during the Bad uh, Out of Hell era. Like, I'm just going to preface this with Bad Out of Hell, the album, is the greatest thing that's ever happened in music. And um, it's just perfect. She was not on the actual album. She just toured. Correct. So, and she's in the video for Paradise by the Dashboard Light, but it's not her voice. It's Ellen Foley. Yes. So, I mean, she's involved, but it's not like if you listen to Paradise by the Dashboard Light, you're not singing along to Carla. But, Correct. You're singing with Ellen but Foley. It's, but it's it's to me, Carla and Meatloaf are like... If you saw it live back in the, the day, same. that was Carla. I wish. Oh, I wish. <laughs> um, I think it should also be no surprise to anyone uh, as we step through these tracks that she also toured with the Pirates of Penzance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, around the same time that her album came out, uh, which uh, definitely showed through in her music more and than that's once. that's where she met her husband. Yes. Too. Um, who I feel like, again, this this seems like one of those figures that you probably have more opinions and thoughts about than I do. You mean the Beast? Yeah. I, I don't really know much about Robbie Benson. I know that he is a famous person also, but she's married to Robbie Benson, yes. Yeah, it's very um, it's a very Broadway kind of thing. So, um, I, yeah, I, it's he's the Beast in Beauty and the Beast, the Disney version. Oh. He's the voice of the Beast. Okay. So I, I assume that they probably have a very ridiculous thespian household. And yes. have been. They've been married for, what, like yeah, 35 I noticed, years I noticed they have one child named Lyric. And I was just like, well, of course uh, they their do. Their kids' name are Lyric and Zephyr. Well, there you go. They're that's that just PTA adorable. mom. That yeah, PTA right. mom. I don't know. They just strike me as like a couple of, you know, old hippie types. Mm-hmm. And 
who are just cool, chill, laid back people. That's that's how I that's the impression I get from from Carla yeah. and Robbie. And uh, I don't know. She just seems like she'd be a really fun person to talk to and hang out with. So but that's partly why I like her music so much. Oh, I yeah. also I have to say I really like that. And this is a theme that's going to come up again next week when we do next week's episode. Mm-hmm. But I like that her first album didn't come out until she was like almost 30 years old, yeah, which is unusual, I think, even still now. Oh, yeah, uh, so definitely. I think that that's very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of cool, we're going to talk about that yeah. debut record now. <laughs> because segue. That, that first album is called <laughs> Is This a Cool World or What? cute is that title it is and look it's so positive i bought a copy of it i've got it right here where'd you find it uh online somewhere but yes here's carla devito's cool world and uh in the in the inner sleeve oh sorry i didn't mean to hit the mic there in the inner sleeve she's got this little childhood picture of herself i'll see if we can find like or maybe i'll take a picture of this and post it yeah and she's all the lyrics are like copies of handwritten versions of it which i think is cool but my version came with and i'm I'm, we're gonna put a picture up of this also there was a best western folder inside my lp (laughs) when I got it, and then I opened it, and there's a signed Carla eight by ten that says to Kim. That says, "Dear Kim, tell me, just tell me one thing: is this a cool world or what? Love, Carla. Isn't that cute? Best friends with her. That's the most adorable of <laughs> best Western folder. Yes, that says stationery. Says stationery. That's the best. Uh, well, I'll put pictures of all that up on the show page for this episode for sure. Um, so yeah, this is her first record. Is this a cool world or what? This came out in 1981. Um, just discussing the album as a whole, this is like everything that if you love new wave rock, you yeah. will love this record. There's yeah. nothing not to like. It's like it's a it's very 1981. It's very fun new wave. It's like good pop girl, quirky enough, but super fun and very go-go's really yes it's very much to we've talked a lot about kind of the electronic side of new wave this is very much to the rock side of new wave there really aren't any electronics and on this record um it's it's very much a rock album but but rock new wave that perfect intersection of new wave and punk and honestly it sounds a lot like it's very meatloaf-esque or at least like bad out of hell meatloaf-esque where it's like kind of like very melodic pop songs with rock and it works really well for Mm -hmm. her it's very dramatic it's very Broadway, because that's what Bad Out of Hell is. Yes, for sure. The first single is sort of the title track. It's just called Cool World, but the hook is, is this a cool world or what? Did you think the lyrics to this were a little bit tongue-in-cheek? Do you think, is she being rhetorical here? Is she, like... I don't think, I don't think she's taking this too seriously, but I think, yeah, it's... You think so? Because I I don't know, I detected, of course, when I heard it the first time, I kind of was like you. I was like, okay, she's just happy and is saying, hey, isn't the world awesome? But... The more I listened to it, I was kind of like, is she being ironic? I don't know. Like, is she saying that, is she making fun of people who think the world is like an awesome place without examining anything that anybody really, else is going through? I didn't really think about that. I, and I, don't, I don't really have an answer. I'm just, I'm kind of blindsiding you with this question, I know. Why but, are you taking such a positive thing and making it so negative? We're supposed to be having fun here, Max. I'm just trying to be true to whatever she, you know, intended when she wrote know, the song. Like, I just feel like that. Well, whole... Look, the first lyrics are even. I can't make up my mind what the possibilities are. Fascinating or boring? Is this a cool world or what? See, Ooh. I think she's. I think she's asking. Like, I don't know. Is this a cool world? That's, huh? You're really taking this. It's so. Is it a happy song that's dark? Yeah, I mean, I kind of get Which like the best genre of music. <laughs> yeah, I kind of get like the goodbye horses vibe from it. Like, yeah, someone is telling her, "Hey, this is a cool world," and she's going. Mm. Sure. Is it? That's that's, uh, that's kind of the impression I'm getting. From yeah. It. You know, I didn't really think of it that way. I don't know. I just kind of that whole, the whole 
vibe of the album, like the album cover, like all of that liner notes. It's so sunny and happy and yeah, energy, energy, energy. That maybe it's like you just have a dark theme, and it's maybe. I don't, I don't think, know. And makes you think, Max. It does. I, that was probably what she intended. Good for <laughs> you, Carla. <laughs> Carla did drop one more single from this record in Almost Saturday Night. There's actually a music video for this one also. Um, what did you think of Almost Saturday Night? I like it. I think it sounds like a meatloaf song. I think it sounds like a cut off of Bad Out of Hell that did not yes. make it. It's just... It is. It's very 70s. It's, it sounds, uh, it sounds it. like something that was very obviously written in the 70s and somehow still made it onto a record in 1981. <laughs> I know. I, I think it's great. I love it. Now, this one, I can't stand to reminisce. It's funny that you mentioned Meatloaf for the last one, because this is where I really heard Meatloaf. Yes, this is also my note here. Also super Meatloaf. Just like a lot of piano and just that that Mm -hmm. same kind of Jim Steinman song song structure, who she worked with, too, by the way. She she was on record with Jim Steinman, who did all the Bad Out of Hell stuff. They were all buddies. (sighs) Um, How cool is that? How cool is this world? Is this a cool world or what? (laughs) Where all these people that Danielle loves can work together. (laughs) And I wasn't even invited. So this is my absolute favorite moment on this oh, first I, record. It's, it's a moment, all right. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Carla has this song called Bloody Bess, uh, the full hook of which is Bloody Bess, Bloody Bess, 17th century pirates. <laughs> it's, um, it's full 100% Carla DeVito dramaticism yes. right there. Um, she actually, according to to her, was planning a Bloody Bess musical. She wanted to write a musical about Bloody Bess and have like kind of a an all-female Pirates of Penzance kind of thing happening. That would be really cool. I mean, Maybe. right? I think it would be incredible. But mm-hmm. I love I love this it song. It would not make money. I chase my cat around the condo for all the time yelling, Bloody Bess, Bloody Bess, 17th century Pirates. And she just looks at me like, and runs away. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is an awesome song. Yeah, it is. It's really it's, fun. It's Carla at her most Carla. It is very, very Carla.
I just wanted to talk about one more on this record, Boy Talk. Good Lord. <laughs> what? I just Can I just point out that I love the lyrics, spit out your bubble gum so I can understand where you're coming from. Yeah, the lyrics to this are amazing. That's why I picked it. I love, I know, that, I know that we just met, but here's my shoulder and a cigarette. Yeah. That's a great oh. hook. Oh, yeah, this is really good. At yeah. first I was like, why is this on here? And then I listened to it and I was like, what? This is great. Right? Great lyrics. Yeah. She's she's a pretty awesome lyricist, and this mm-hmm. is this is some of the best. Oh yeah. So it was around this time that she met Robbie Benson, and they end up married, of course, and he helped her score a deal with A&M Records. Um, according to both of them, that he kind of went in and, and made a case for her, and they signed her and whatnot. How sweet of a husband is that? So this was a very common thing uh, back in the day, like if there was a big motion picture and then a record label got the soundtrack deal, like in this case A&M, mm-hmm. what they would do is take some of their big name artists and get a hit out onto the soundtrack. And then on the soundtrack, they would take some of their up and coming artists and put them on there too with kind of filler songs on the soundtrack mm-hmm. and uh, to try to get their name out. So people would buy the soundtrack for the big song and then go, oh wait, who's Carla DeVito? And then hopefully go buy her record. So it was by this manner that Carla ended up on the soundtrack to The Breakfast Club and recorded one of my favorite songs of all time. In fact, some days I would argue this is my favorite song of all time, depending on mood. Uh, um, yeah, it's so good. Uh, that song is We Are Not Alone. Um, I was kind of debating whether or not we should bring this up on this episode, because I really want to do a Breakfast Club soundtrack episode. I think you can bring it up twice. I think it's, so, too. It's I big mean, enough. It deserves it. No one's going to be mad that we're talking about this song twice in the history of podcast episodes. It's so good, and it's like the perfect moment for that song in the movie when they're all dancing around at the end because yes. they're embracing their differences and also bad 80s dancing from so again we have some amazing lyrical work here from mm. from carla and robbie they wrote this song together um but what what's happened here is because carla robbie wasn't around for the first record at all and so we have carla's songwriting abilities which are now paired with a m producers and Robbie Benson's influences. So you have all these electronics now, like they're using the bass line from a Yamaha DX7, and they're adding in like these very 80s pop influences that weren't there on the first yep. record. And But it's still very much a Carla DeVito song. Mm-hmm. Like she is not lost at all, despite the A&M production oh, yeah. and the bigger studio budget. So you end up with this just amazingly perfect song that, like you said, captures this moment about, you know, feeling isolated or feeling like nobody understands mm-hmm. you when you're a teenager. Um, and you know, obviously that feeling carries beyond teenage years for most people, I would think. And I don't know, I just, everything about the song is perfect. The lyrics are perfect. The production's perfect. It's just a, it's a perfect song. And it's fun. It's fun. It's a perfect song. If we dare expose our hearts, just reveal the purest parts, that's when strange sensations start to grow.
So Carla did uh, score this deal with A&M Records, so of course she had to put out an album with them. Of course. Which she did the year after The Breakfast Club, 1986's Wake Em Up in Tokyo. Now, if you hear her talk about this record, she was... She kind of looks at it as, this wasn't really me. Yeah, she's, I didn't see that. She's she's disappointed with kind of the way it turned out, is the sense that I get, but still is is proud of it. Proud of the songs that she wrote and the work that she put into it. But doesn't really seem to tout it like something that she's, you know, like this is my masterwork and represents who I am as an artist. I mean, it's very different from the whole Curl World, Curl World album. But it I is. Mean, it's, but it's, it's like graduated. It's clearly more poppy. You've got a lot more synth in it. It's, um, you know, it's different. I can see her being disappointed in it, in that it's not completely Carla DeVito. But I still think, I still hear her in it. I do too. It's not gone. Um, I, I think that she just kind of graduated her sound. You know, I like we yeah. like to use that term on this show, but she definitely graduated her sound to 1986 oh, from yeah. 1981. And this probably could have had a hit or two on it, but it, as far as I can tell, A&M never even released a single from it. I think really? that they were just kind of marketing her as like an AOR artist, you know, because AOR was really big in the mid 80s yeah. where there weren't singles. It was just, hey, you know, this artist, go buy this album, listen to it front to back. And I think that that's kind of I think that's kind of what they were going for with her. And yeah. I don't think it worked. I think they should have marketed some of these as singles, starting first and foremost with We Accelerate, which could that's have been a, a big song. old hit. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really good. I really think this whole album is really good, marketable pop music. Mm hmm. Um, that has personality because it has Carlos' personality in it. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't market it more. We Accelerate is kind of like very... a it's it's high, a higher energy kind of power pop song. Like the first album was very power pop. Mm -hmm. It was just very very power pop. That's a good way to describe it. This was like graduated power pop. Yes, this is power pop with like some electronics yeah. <laughs> thrown in there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And We Accelerate is kind of um, a good starting point for this record, I think. Yep. Don't look at it. Look at So then we move into Can't Change My Heart, which this is like a great power ballad of that era. Yeah, I think it's Wouldn't really good. I think it's like a sweet little good pop tune. Like, I think it's really good. Like, it sounds like something that the band Heart would have recorded. It's, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it just reminds me of that, you know, kind of alone era Heart. Yeah, I, I, I think that it would have matched pretty much anything on the charts at that time. Yeah, and she's it's not different. She's got that that voice. I mean, she's got the voice to back oh, it yeah. up too. So she can nail these power ballads. Yeah. There were a bunch of ballads on the first record. I say a bunch, there were like 3. Um but they were very like toned down. But these the we're getting really into power ballads for the slower mm -hmm. tracks on this record and this is this was my favorite. Yep. You can change your mind, but you can't change all. The Hard Way. 
This is my gut dang jam. Yeah, this is a jam. <laughs> like that sense, man. I know. Um, oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna call back to another offbeat tracks artist, but this could 100 percent have been a vanity song. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. It just has that feel. It's like it's got the sound. Sexy, it's got the feel. It's got the lyrics. Yes. It's got. The, oh yeah. This is. I didn't think about that, but it could easily be a vanity song. I love this song. Yeah, it's groovy, sexy. And got, I did not see it coming. Got those on drum album. machines and those great synth stabs. Yeah, nothing, nothing not to love here. Oh yeah. One more we're going to talk about on this record, which is Love That I Can Taste, or excuse me, Love I Can Taste. Um, I, she kind of just went for a pretty unapologetic rock song here. Yeah, I really like it. Um, I I think the lyrics, again, are fantastic. Like, it's just, it's like, what? make sure you don't end up with just a piece of meat. <laughs> like, it seems oh, empty Carla. on the surface, but that's really good advice. It is. It is really good advice. And I just love that she just puts it in the song that way. I think Carla is probably my favorite lyricist of, of everybody we've fe- featured on the show so far. I'd have to think. But, I mean, these are really great lyrics. Mm-hmm. What about Poby with her, like, <laughs> oh, yes. exams? Oh, man. Now I just want a Carla DeVito-Poby combo. <laughs> They're hanging out right now. They've been best friends. They the could be. Maybe that's where Poby's been hiding out. She's Carla DeVito's roommate. <laughs> that would be so cool. And Marky Mark comes over to visit them. <laughs> like we're just inventing histories for these people. We're like right. We don't know what's actually writing, going on in their it's lives. It's Offbeat Tracks fan fiction. That should just be an episode every there once you in a while. Offbeat Tracks fan fiction. Same. So an update on what Carla's uh, doing now. She and Robbie Benson are still married. Um, Cute. Carla's active on Facebook. You can find her on Facebook, making some very awesome politically charged posts every now and then. Uh, Love it. She's a, is she a Diane Warren-esque? Yeah, kind of. Uh, yeah, yeah. Kind of not taking any shit. Yeah, I love it. Um, she uh, and Ellen Foley got back in the studio with Meatloaf uh, last year. Did you see that? No. Yeah, I guess he was working on something, and they they posted a, a photograph of her and and Ellen in the studio with with Meatloaf. Wow. So they they were they did something with him, and I don't like Meatloaf enough to go look and care, to care about I it. Mean, but but they got back in, and and they were on a, an album that he released either last year or the year before. Yeah, he went on a tour last year. I know that. All I know is that he is. I've been looking forward to the 40th anniversary of Bad Out of Hell getting released, which is 2017, for that tour, because I was going to like take three weeks off of work and just go stalk Meatloaf. No tour. 
I don't know why they're doing that. Anyway, so whatever Meatloaf is working on, clearly it wasn't good enough to have a 40th anniversary tour. Featuring Carla DeVito. Yes, featuring Carla DeVito. Sorry, I'm a little bit mad about it still. It's okay. <laughs> um, well, anyway, Carla, if you happen to hear this episode, we love you. Um, and I personally want to thank you directly for We Are Not Alone because it is, it's been one of my favorite songs ever since the first time I heard it when I was a teenager. And I still love it to this day and listen to it all the time. And thank you very much for that song. So, uh, yeah, we hope um, yeah. I hope you eventually get back in the studio and decide to do a, another record. Cause and talk to Meatloaf about that 40th anniversary tour. Talk to Mr. Loaf here. Yes. And tour Wake Him Up in Tokyo. That album deserves a tour. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, I do want to throw out also one thing we're going to definitely have on the show page for this. Carla has uploaded a 10-part performance that she did on YouTube um, in 1981. I believe it was New Year's Eve 1981. Whoa. Where she performs uh, like ten or eleven songs from the Cool World era, so we'll uh, we'll toss those up there, and uh, it's it's definitely it's really cool to just watch her bounce around and do her thing. It's really awesome. I want to watch that. Yeah, uh, we're gonna be back next week, kind of with uh, another uh, unsung hero of new wave rock. Um, another quirky lady. Another quirky lady. Uh, so you'll have to stick around for that uh, next week. Yep. So we'll see you next Monday. Until then, I'm Max. I'm Danielle. See ya.